Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into episode 225 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR Podcast Network. Sources Say Podcast is presented by our good friends at Justice Dental. Visit one of their two Lexington locations that's on Blazer Parkway and Wellington Way by scheduling an appointment online at justicedental.com or by calling 859-543-0700. You can even send a text message to one of their friendly team members at the same same number to ask a question or make an appointment. Now is a great time to schedule your dental cleaning. Dr. Thompson, Dr. Justice, and their team strive to provide you with good oral health and a comfortable environment. The Justice Dental Team looks forward to seeing you soon. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined once again by Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how the heck are you? I am fantastic, Jack Pilgrim. How are you? Well, it's been a couple days. We have let this marinate for a little bit, uh, rewatched the game, got a, a couple uh, in-depth in depth looks at it, uh, really trying to get to the root of all evil that was Kentucky's 63-53 loss against UCLA in the Madison Square Garden CBS Sports Classic. Um, Sean, it was a disaster offensively there at the very end. Kentucky closes out the game 0 for 11, shooting the ball uh, four minutes and 31 seconds without a single point to close out the game. Kentucky had it within four points there uh, with two minutes and 26 seconds to go uh, and couldn't figure out a way to to pull off the win. Down five with a minute 52 left and down six with 42 seconds. They had every chance. Uh, every chance in the world to win that game down the stretch, and they just did not have enough juice or any juice whatsoever, especially on the offensive end of the floor, to get things done uh, after letting this kind of soak in a little bit. Uh, how are you feeling about this loss, Sean? Well, you know, I, I made the comment a couple of weeks ago after they lost to Gonzaga that I had no confidence in this team beating good basketball teams right now. I don't have confidence in the players getting it done right now. I don't have confidence in the coaching staff getting it done right now. I just don't have confidence in this team or this program at the moment to beat a quality opponent like a UCLA or a Gonzaga or a Michigan State or whoever else that they play here in the coming weeks until they do it. In large part, I still feel like this team is looking and searching for its identity on who it is, especially on the offensive end of the floor. Um some decisions being made, some guys that I thought was going to play high-volume minutes not playing now. I know C.J. Frederick's role and things like that that we'll we'll get into and and some others. Uh, I even I even think that Oscar Shibway looks less of what he was 
a year ago. And I'm not just talking stats and numbers. I'm just talking overall effect of the game. I just don't think that right now anyone really looks comfortable out there on the offensive end of the floor. I mean, you put up 53 points. You don't score in the closing stretch of the game. I actually thought the game was lost. I mean, I know that the first half was not good, but I thought Kentucky and the wheels came off when there was a long stretch of play with Casey Wallace sitting at the table waiting to check in. No good shots being no good shots being taken. Bad offensive possession after bad offensive possession. UCLA couldn't do anything either. And I just felt like that was one of those moments where it would have been a good time. And I know Cal was waiting for the media timeout, but we also know that Cal never uses all of his timeouts. So why not just burn one there and get what you want and kind of regroup? And I thought that that was a stretch that was really crucial that they didn't kind of reel themselves in and kind of figure out where they wanted to go. And this is a team that in late in games, Jack, the few opportunities that we've got to see them against quality opponents, I don't think they really know what they want to do offensively and who they want to play through. I don't think they know if it's if it's Oscar, if it's middle ball screen with Sabir Wheeler, if it's getting Casey Wallace the ball. I, I just don't think that they've had any questions answered at all through the first month and a half of the season. And I think the frustrating part of this is this wasn't UCLA exploding down the stretch. This no, wasn't. This isn't one one of those free throws left and right. Yeah, th- this isn't one of those situations where Kentucky just missed every shot and UCLA made it, made everyone. And you go tip your hat to the Bruins; they did everything necessary. Look, the Bruins didn't make a single field goal between the four eleven and forty two second mark of the, of, the, of the game. And the margin stayed the same. Uh, until I mean, it until it got it until at the end when they I mean I mean that's a three and a half minute stretch with no buckets but, on their end and they missed five of eight attempts at the free throw line in the final five and a half minutes. And there's no excuse, right? Like I this is you can't chalk it up and say that Kentucky's young. You can't. You return uh, a Koozie Award finalist and the reigning national player of the year, and you look like crap offensively. There's no excuse for it. None. And this is the stuff that we talked about in the spring after the loss in the NCAA tournament that had to change. There had to be a better flow offensively. You had to play to strengths. And they had the Bahamas trip. They had those practices in the summer. This looks like a team that didn't do anything leading up to the year to kind of gel and feel comfortable. And I know there's other teams around college basketball that we see struggling. No one is struggling the way Kentucky's struggling to score the ball. And you got national media guys calling it out. You got former players and everybody. Like, I mean, Derek, I see Derek Anderson on Facebook all the time talking about how bad Kentucky's offense is and how attention to detail. It's just, it's painful to watch. And it's really hard to stomach how bad this program has been against elite ranked competition for the last four years. Four in 13 uh, against ranked foes. Well, do, you, do you feel comfortable when they line up and play somebody that's a name program right now? No, not, not not in the slightest. No, I don't. And you keep thinking, well, it's Kentucky basketball. They'll get it figured out. Well, you know what? That was the case up until about two or three years ago. And right now, you have guys that I thought were shot makers at other schools that can't hit shots now. And why is that? You know? Rhythm he- and flow and confidence. And I think it's just – I don't want to say that it's not that they run stuff for people. I just think that guys just get zapped right now. Like, I just feel like that identity and who guys are, not not only does this team not have its identity, I think you got some guys who've lost their identity. And they're not, I mean, they're not using some of these guys to even their strengths right now. 
Like this is a this is a team that is Sabir Wheeler dribble 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 or Casey Wallace do something defensively and make a play or Oscar Sheba just go get an offensive rebound. So good enough to beat Yale and all these other teams. It's not good enough to. This is not an NCAA tournament team. I'm going to say it right now. Unless there's something drastically changes, this is not an NCAA tournament team. They have no resume. Like I mean, literally, is it their their best win is Michigan. And, and, and their next two their next two opportunities are Alabama and Tennessee. And those are both on the road to start league play. And could get really ugly really yeah, fast. So like and, and I'm not trying to like tell fans to push panic button and freak out. Like I know Cal's trying to tell people not to, but Jack, we gotta have the discussion. The years that they've done nothing in non-conference is the years they've missed the tournament. And they have done nothing. Yeah. The best win is Yale. So I I told you leading up to this that I actually, you know, kind of stumbled onto um some post-game information that really, really concerned me. Um, got some scoop from actually inside the UCLA program, uh, of all places. Um, just just a, you know, kind of a, a post-game breakdown um, where the individuals inside the UCLA coaching staff in inside their locker room, they were like almost giddy after the game ended. They they were almost laughing at how poor the Kentucky game plan was going into it and said, I I genuinely couldn't believe that Kentucky played right into our strengths and continued to not adapt at all with anything that we threw at them that they knew almost nothing about us. Like, look, Oscar Sheboy went one for two, and, and Sean Vinsel, uh, who I think is is incredible hoops insight um, on Twitter, does great stuff. He pointed out that Adembona was statistically, arguably the worst interior defender in college basketball, it, to the, a a second percentile in college basketball in terms of uh, guarding post ups inside. So ninety eight percent of college basketball is better than Adembona at guarding what Oscar Sheboy does best, Sean. Oscar Sheboy, the national player of the year. He goes, he gets two post-up opportunities yeah. against admittedly a pretty poor, uh, poor front court in, in UCLA. Physical, tough, you know, things like that. But they also got into terrible foul trouble. Nine combined fouls between their, their two, two starters. And then ETN comes in, who is terrible in his own right and still played a hell of a game and, and, and defended hard. The issue with what Kentucky does and what UCLA capitalized on and was in the game plan going into it was they saw on tape that Oscar Sheboy, once he gets the ball, is a very poor passer when he gets swarmed. So they just threw, threw everything at him once he got the ball inside, knew that he was very uncomfortable getting the ball out. And that was basically their offense. They didn't try to uh, adapt, basically said, we're going to congest in the middle and make the other guys beat you. Said that Kentucky doesn't run anything at all, that their ball movement is among the worst in college basketball. Said they don't they don't move. They know that once Oscar gets the ball inside, that nobody else is moving. There's no back. There's no cuts down low. There's no back screens. There's no nothing to create some type of havoc and some type of chaos to create open looks around the basket. No no open shots, nothing. That they know once it gets inside to Oscar, that it's game over. That they could swarm him, and there's nothing that Kentucky could do about it. And they, they went after it over and over again, and there were no clean opportunities for him down low, and, and that was their game plan. So that Sabre Wheeler just continued to dribble the air out of the ball 
he no. either does his his scoop layup or he gets a, a post yeah. post pivot and flails and tries to find somebody on the outside with five seconds left in the shot. And you know, the longer and longer this has gone on, the more that I actually take the blame off of Sabir. I don't know if you've got to that point or not, but because I just feel like that, honestly, I honestly want to tell you that I think that sometimes that Kentucky puts Sabir in some pretty bad spots to where guys just look at him to just put it on the deck and go. And we've talked about this how many times, that that's not a guy that you play through when you need baskets. I mean, he hit a big jumper there when Kentucky was trying to make the run. I think it cut it to two. One of their last buckets of the game, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. like late in the second half. But I just – I think it was their last bucket. Uh, it might have been. <laughs> yeah, I think it was. I think you're right. I think that made it, what, 53-55 or something yeah. like that. And, I mean, I don't know. Like, it's just the, the best – they ran some Spain action there that got Antonio Reeves free and got him a three-point look and he hit it. I thought that that was the best set that they had ran all day because that was actually playing to their strengths. They ran the back screen for Oscar. It forced defenders to make a decision, and Reed's got an open three. I don't see enough of that, though. I don't see enough of putting guys in positions to be successful. When this was a program at one point, Jack, that everyone, I think, even the bluest of blue buds, actually had a fear of Kentucky at one point. Not just the talent side of it, but you knew what you were going to get when you played Kentucky. Right now, no one fears this program. No one, even not you just blue bloods. was laughing afterward. Not just blue bloods. I'm talking. No one fears this program. Yale doesn't. Yale didn't fear Kentucky a week ago. No one is scared to play Kentucky. That's a problem because at one point in this era of Calipari, I believe everyone had a fear of lining up and playing against Kentucky, including the North Carolinas, the Dukes, the Kansas. Everyone had that pit and that feeling in their in their stomach that was like, "This is Kentucky." I don't think anyone looks at Kentucky anymore. I don't think anyone's got the off factor, the shock factor that Kentucky's walked in the building. That's that's evaporated. That's gone. And it's a problem. Like this program, we've we've talked about it, Jack. It's been a turning point for a while, but it just get, keeps turning down the wrong street. And I'm sick of doing the well, like right now I see, well, we got the they got this class coming in next year. Cool. How many times have we said that? You also have the reigning national player of the year back on your roster, who everybody was excited about. You had a, you finally had some experience coming back. You've got some good freshmen that I think are starting to have some moments. And I do, we will, we will talk about Chris and what he did. I think he's, he found his way, but it also makes me wonder why he hadn't had the opportunity to find his way before that. Because there was somebody ahead of him at the four that I'm frustrated. Can you tell that I'm frustrated? And and I am, and I'm trying to be delicate with this because it is, you know, it is early and it is only 10 games in the season, but it is, it is a third of the way into the year. But like coming up to what third, just happened last March, yes, I don't know third if I'm of the way. really be delicate. I don't think anyone has the patience factor anymore, given how last season ended and all the things that we heard was going to change. It's not changed. I thought they were the best they looked all day with Lance Ware on the floor, and then he was nowhere to be found during, down the stretch. You make your run and you get back in the game, and I know it was unconventional. We hate the two bigs together, but when it was actually working. You went away from it. You went away from it. And you go right back to Jacob, who I think is stuck in a in a, a mix here of the role that he's trying to play is not for him. And I think the best thing that could happen is go back to what role he had in the past. Bring him off the bench. 
if that's the change up to the starting lineup, bring him off the bench, change his role, be back to something he's more comfortable with. Because right now I think that almost like Kentucky's looking at him to kind of be that NBA pick. And I think it's a lot of pressure here. And it's not – he does not look comfortable at all. So on that note, um, continuing with the stuff I've heard uh, from UCLA side, um, they were absolutely drooling at the idea of Jacob Toppin uh, guarding Jaime uh, Jaquez Jr. Um, That they went into that at the opening tip and saw that Toppin was guarding Jaquez and – almost like laughed and was like, this is, this is the guy that you are throwing at our best player who is as fundamentally sound, basically, basically drew Timmy in a, in a versatile four, you know, can score out of the high post, you know, great footwork. I mean, imagine UCLA version of, of drew Timmy, you know, not a five, a, a true four, like that's, that's who this kid is. And they were baffled at the fact that, uh, Jacob Toppin was guarding him and they set out their number one game plan. Top of their offensive game plan, Sean, was get get Toppin in ISO situations and attack him. Go at him every single play until they take him off the floor. And what happened? They went at him every single play and absolutely cooked him. Sean, I mean, he was he was barbecue baked chicken cooked. And Cal had no choice but to put Chris Livingston in and see what the hell he could do, because that was one of the worst. That was the worst we've seen Jacob Toppin play. It almost reminds me of what was it? Keon against Duke to start the year last year against Paolo. Was that, that the was matchup? A, it was just a disastrous. Where it, it was every single time it was I'm going at you and I'm going to embarrass you on this national stage. And that's exactly what what happened to Toppin. And and it's unfortunate because Toppin, as you said, there's there's a lot to like about Toppin physically. On paper, paper, he should be exactly what this team needs. He should have the defensive versatility. He should have the, the rim running, above rim, lob catching, you know, versatile two-way threat. Like, that should be him. I mean, he's 6'10", 45-inch vertical with almost a seven-foot wingspan. That guy should be able to contribute for this team. But as you said, I think there's pressure on his shoulders coming down from people with NBA talk in his ear saying, you need to show off that you're Kevin Durant. You know, you need to be this working out of the the high post, kind of that mid-range, make, you know, Emphasize how much you worked on your game this offseason from a skill standpoint, how much you can be a mid-range specialist, how much you can knock down shots. And then, you know, everybody knows you can be an athlete. Why don't you show the skill side of things? And it's like he is so focused on being in his own in his own head and having people in his ear that he has kind of lost his way completely. Yes. And I think until he finds his way back, he needs to be off the floor. He he is unplayable at times, and honestly, more times than not at this and point. Had, and had hit nothing, and then took one of the biggest shots of the game down the stretch, a three. Terrible. And look, and, okay. just, and, and that's where I'm just getting at that. I just don't know if this team has figured out who it needs to play through, and and things. But they've been in situations to figure that out. They had Michigan State late. They had this game late. They've they've had other Michigan late, and I still think that they won the Michigan game. They got bailed out by Wheeler. I'll still I'll stand by that. That that Kentucky didn't win that game as much as they lucked their way into the win, in my opinion. Oh, well, and did you see the advance the the shot luck numbers 
that came out afterward that actually, in terms of shot quality, Michigan should have won that game by like eight. Yeah. And that, that's that what, was, that like, was, uh, that was, like a, the sky would actually be falling right now had that happened. Like it's still, it's falling, but you've got a hand on it because you're like, well, just get to conference play. Mm, you lose that one and you're just sitting here like this, just hoping. Then Yale's your best win. Oh, it's yeah. Already, they have no resume. Second. Yeah. It's already your second best win. But yeah. that would have been your best if that were the case. They have no resume. None. And that's where I keep coming from. Like right now, if the NCAA tournament started today, Kentucky should not be in the t- in the field. They shouldn't be. I was a little. I mean, they're they're nineteen in the poll today in the AP poll. I thought that was. I thought they were overrated. Like I oh, genuinely I, said, I, I, take yeah. them out of the whole. Take them out of the poll. Who have they beaten? Who have they beaten to even be ranked in the top twenty right now? And you know, I want to be positive about this team, but at the same time, they have done nothing to make me feel that way. League play is starting, and I don't even know where to go. Does that make sense? Like, I have no idea what Kentucky has, and league play starts in less than a week with a road trip to Missouri. This is a team that could line up on Selection Sunday and have nothing to show for in the non-conference. Because right now, I don't think they're beating Kansas at Rupp Arena. I could care less if that game's played on a blacktop court outside somewhere. Like, I have no confidence that they're beating Kansas. I have no confidence that they're going on the road and beating Alabama and Tennessee to start league play. Like, give me one of those games that you feel good about right now that is against a quality team that's going to be in the field that you think Kentucky's going to beat. I don't know. Honestly, I think this Missouri game is going to be, like, weirdly – I don't know because Missouri has beaten scares the, me a little bit. Beaten the crap out of really bad teams, but also has also struggled against teams that actually matter, kind of like us. And that and it's just so crazy that a road trip to Columbia, Missouri, is going to kind of define where this team is right now. And it's like, when when have we ever relied on a trip to Missouri to figure out what this team's identity is? You know, like we're just where where things are with this program. It's it's just. That is baffling to me. Well, and and I'm I'm looking up resume right now, and you know I use we know and stuff how we I, I was all about this quad one victory and and opportunities and stuff a year ago, and as it stands, you know Florida A and M is going to be a quad four, but Missouri will actually be a quad one game. Yeah, Missouri's in that you know that ranking to be a quad one, and then unfortunately Louisville's going to be a quad four. LSU it rubs a quad three, but then you get back to back quad one games against Alabama and Tennessee. And then your next one's Kansas at Rupp Arena. So this is a team that, and unfortunately, three of those four are on the road. So, like, your best chances to get a win. Like, I'm just – I'm trying to be realistic here. Kentucky has to win two of those first three, Missouri, Alabama, Tennessee. They have to, Jack. Let's say that they lose both those games, Alabama, Tennessee. Well, then their best win could possibly be a road game at Missouri – and then you're coming back home to beat Kansas. Like mm, this resume that I'm talking about that doesn't exist. If you don't get those, you're going into February with one that doesn't exist. And that's where I'm talking about that this could be a team that you're looking up seven, eight losses going into February with nothing to show for. That's a bubble team. That's Sean, a bubble what, team fighting for its life. What did we say leaving that Gonzaga game? Me standing there in that stupid airport on my phone with a connection as terrible as it was. One of the, the the biggest overarching, like the biggest key point of that entire show was 
we've reached must win territory in December where you got to win out the entire month of, uh, of December. We're not even, I mean, we're literally <laughs> December, you know, 18th or whatever, uh, or uh, 17th when that game was, we didn't even get halfway through before we lost that game. And we lost the only game that really will end up mattering because Michigan, I don't think is really worth, worth a damn either. So it's, it's not going I mean, to be worth anything. And, and, and I keep going back to John Calipari saying, this is a team that needs to be scoring 80 points a game. Again, well, he, said, he said it again tonight. Yeah, and here's the here's what they've scored this year. 95 versus Howard, 77, 77, 106, 72, 96, 60, 73, 69, 53. What? What, Sean, as a as a coach, as somebody who knows the game, what is this team's offensive identity? Could you t- could you tell me a single goal? Of of Kentucky basketball, when they have the ball in their hands, what 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 is their goal right now? What what is what is their their path to success? J- just what what Calipari is is trying to put out there right now. A pace of play is the biggest thing with me. I don't like their pace of play. I don't like how slow. And here's here's the problem with that. Zero transition points. Uh, yep. And and, and here and here's the problem with that is. Okay, this needs to be a team that I think needs to be shooting early in the shot clock and getting shots up, and here's why. You have Oscar Shibway. Bad shots shouldn't exist with this team because you have a guy that can clean up the glass and get you second-chance opportunities. So my thought process is you put as many balls up on that rim and glass as you can and give him opportunities to get some garbage baskets and score. That's where Jacob Toppin comes into play as well, and that length and that size and offensive rebounding. And, and Kentucky's not using that at all. And then you got these guys who are shooters and who've been known as shooters for their entire career that are never on the floor together, that don't stretch you out in transition. And whether that can be defending or not defending, I don't know. I still think Kentucky has guys that struggle to defend. That it just – I don't know. Like this is a team that needs to take more shots. They need to run the floor. And he's trying to grind things out and execute. And I just don't think that this is a team that needs to be grinding things out. Like this is a team that needs to be getting out and playing freely and running the floor and getting up and down. That's like my group. I mean, I, I know I, co- I coach eighth grade basketball and like this is entirely different levels of basketball, but at the same, at the root of it, some of the same issues are the same. We struggled for a couple of games and I went back and looked at film and we were averaging 33 shots a game. I said, God, no wonder we're not scoring points. Like you shoot 50%. You're not going to put up points. So then the last two games, we averaged 60 shots a game. Because I was like, shoot the ball. Get shots up. Let us rebound. Offensive rebounding numbers went up. Second chance points went up. Three-point attempts went up. And guess what went up? And now we're averaging 60 points a game. Go figure. Because I changed the pace of play. Math. Yeah, I changed I, I changed the pass of, the pace of play because we were still defending at the same clip that we were defending at, and Kentucky defended well enough to win the game. Defense has been incredible. I mean, the defense but you also can't just come enough. down and do, you can't just come down and sit on the ball and run all this false motion to get into a middle ball screen with ten seconds to go on the shot clock. That's what are you easy. doing? Yeah, there's no there's no post ups. The ball doesn't get below the, the free throw line. The ball doesn't get across the nail. There's nothing. There's no paint touches. There's no two feet in the paint drives. There's nothing. But then you kick it out, and then tonight, you know, or Cal says the Adu Thierro's next in line. Well, hell, who else is? If he's not, he's like, the last guy on the bench. He's the last guy there. I hope he's next in line. 
Like, I just don't understand. Like, it, it just feels like we're just grasping at stuff. And this is where I hit the panic button. Because I'm like, I, I want something that looks like a plan that resembles and gives me hope that they're going to get it figured out. Because most, given credit, most of his teams, when they do struggle, you do see glimpses of something. And they do have the reigning national player of the year. They do have a point guard who has led the power five and assist multiple years. But you also have guys who don't look like themselves. That just looks like the, I mean, Jacob Toppin looks like a shell of himself. And I thought Jacob Toppin Jr. was better than Jacob Toppin Sr. I think Jacob Toppin sophomore was better than Jacob Toppin, what we're getting right now. And we took, and we talked a lot about how that position was an upgrade from last year. And it has really been not. a downgrade. Like, give me Bryce Hopkins right now and, and those guys. I, I will tell you this UCLA, after that game, uh, was very convinced that. Can, okay, <laughs> they they <laughs> left that game, and the, their takeaways were: Casey Wallace was the best player on the team. Didn't matter; he went two for thirteen. That happens. He's built up so much equity with me that he is the he, best player on the team. He got clean looks. He still did other stuff that you like. I mean, you know, three rebounds, uh, you know, a couple steals, turned the ball over twice. But, you know, it wasn't a terrible performance for for him with the other stuff. He was a very – I mean, it was a terrible offensive performance, his worst shooting performance clearly uh, of his collegiate career. But um, UCLA came away saying – being totally honest, just, just, you know, putting it out there, that's what the show is for is to kind of put – what the word is on the street, what what is what is being discussed. They said Kaysen's the best player on the team. They said, unfortunately, Savir Wheeler, if he is going to be a 35-plus minute per game guy, Kentucky will not win anything of substance. Okay. They said this team needs to be one that runs exclusively um, Kaysen, uh, Antonio Reeves, C.J. Frederick, which we haven't even gotten to him yet, just figuring okay. out what the hell is going on with him. They said Chris Livingston is a clear upgrade over what Jacob Toppin is providing for this team right now and Oscar Sheboy. They said that needs to be your five. That, right now, that, that's just that's a, a just completely subjective coming yep. from the team that just beat Kentucky by double digits. That's what they think. So right now, just, that, that, that's my thought right now is you're not scoring enough points to win. I get it. Defense and rebounding win you championships. I know that. But if you don't score, it doesn't matter how well you defend or how well you rebound. If you don't score, you're not going to win the game. And I just think that we're to a point here where I want to see a lineup that features Casey Wallace with the ball in his hands, with Antonio Reeves and C.J. Frederick, and Chris at the four with Oscar at the five. That's that's what I want to see. And, yeah, you still play Savier. But when it gets a down lot. to – A yeah, lot, yes. And when, you, when it gets down to, though, and you need baskets, you still have your best defender – who I think will project to be their best defender as the year goes along. And I know numbers and stuff right now. I know Savir might even be projected as a better on-ball defender than in Kaysen or a better overall defender. But I feel like Kaysen just gives you so much more because there's no limit offensively there. You have an extra help defender when Savir's on the floor. that, And then you shrink it when you have non-shooters at the 2-3. But, I mean, the best lineup the other day, though, was when Lance was at the 4 and Chris was at the 3. But you know why? Because yeah. I felt like they actually had five guys that were fighting. And I think that he made the decision to go away from that, and that's when they lost the game. I would have ridden those five guys the rest of the game and not taken them out. Because I didn't see anything from the others that led me to believe that they were going to get it figured out. 
and I know you're you're talking about running people into the ground, but you're also talking about if that's the NCAA tournament, Cal will play someone 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. Well, you're getting to the point where it's a must-win situation, and that was a must-win game, I thought, in the Garden Saturday. Like, they had to win that game. And it didn't matter about how you won it. Ugly, pretty, it didn't matter. You just had to win it. I'm frustrated because this team should be better than what it is. This team has too much talent. I still think it's a well-put-together basketball team. I really do. I just don't think that right now they're being set up to succeed. Is that Cal? Is that a little bit of both? I don't know. But <laughs> there there needs to be something figured out. I'm, I'm glad that there's games because we know when we get into December, there were points where there wouldn't be anything to Louisville. Yeah. You get the game Wednesday – you get another non-conference game, you get Louisville, then you jump – or you get a, a conference game, then you jump right into Louisville and then right into SEC play. Like, there's plenty of opportunities here, and they have opportunities in league play. Thank God the league is good. Because if it wasn't, and this was uh, eight years ago, this team's probably a 10 seed. I don't know where they fell in Lenardi's projections today. I don't know if you if you looked. I didn't even see that they updated them, you know. But I'm assuming that right now, if the tournament started today, I'd probably have this team somewhere in that line of a – I think they're falling six to eight right now. And that's yeah. being generous and that's going off name. That's fair. It's not going off resume. That's going off name. I'm I'm concerned. I'm I'm honestly concerned. I kept telling people early November not to panic. Right now, I'm a little panicked. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm I think that's right to say. And I hope people don't listen to this and get all doom and gloom. But if you want me to come on here and tell you that it's all going to be okay, I wish I could but I have enough from the last three years to kind of question whether it's going to be okay or not. Look, I, I I just genuinely don't see any reason why anybody, I mean, shoot, I don't think there's any reason that anybody needs to be playing 39 minutes, 36 minutes, even 33 for Kaysen. Like this is, this team has way too much depth and way too much talent from top to bottom to, be utilized the way that they are right now. And, and I, and I genuinely think like, and I, I do appreciate that Jacob Toppin, when he was struggling, Cal finally pulled the trigger and, and got, you know, him out and let Chris Livingston rock out a little bit. And that's, I mean, that was the, that was the, the key part of the game. If you're looking at positive, that was literally the only positive of the game, him and Lance Ware, what they provided uh, Chris Livingston, 14 points, five of eight shooting two for three from three, four rebounds. He'd have three turnovers, but he had a block. I mean, really, really productive minutes. Exactly what we've been waiting to see out of him. He was knocking down shots from three, uh, made a couple from that mid-range. Couple, you know, uh, he he was that three-level scorer. Uh, you know, thrived at the three. Which Sean, that's something that I didn't know if he could he could do. He really, really took that rollover. I thought he defended his ass off. Um, yep. You know, I, I think that was something that he really did. And if you listen to Cal's comments tonight. Um, on the Cal show, I mean, he didn't directly call out Jacob Toppin, but he flat out said Chris Livingston guarded Jaime Jaquez better than than anybody else, played him with with toughness, played him with physicality. Uh, and he said, and that's why he's going to play more, said that that he has earned this spot. He, he, Cal uh, went out of his way, said that the starting lineup is going to change. And, and uh, I think it was a very not so subtle way of saying that Chris Livingston was was going to be that guy. Um, 
so I, I, I genuinely just don't think that we need to be seeing 39 minutes for Oscar, 36 minutes for Savier. I think we could spread that out a little bit. You got to get CJ Frederick back on the floor. You got to figure out a way to get him going. He cannot well, be just relegated to the bench and, and no, let you, that talent just, just the, fizzle out. The uh, role that he had when the season started, we were talking about the number of minutes he was getting to play and how that he looked healthy. You got to put a guy like that in position to succeed. You got to run some stuff for him. CJ's game is not built on CJ going and getting it on his own. Yeah. That's not what made CJ what who he is at Iowa. How many baskets did CJ get at Iowa because Fran McCaffrey or whoever just threw him the ball and said, All right, flatten it out. Go get it. Go hoop, kid. Yeah. Zero. Go do it. No, we <laughs> ran we ran stagger screens. They ran some action with some back screens and getting people mixed up and you you take Oscar Shibway and you take Casey Wallace and you put CJ in that Spain action and you get a big guard that can handle the ball and get downhill in Kaysen. You get a big that if you get the switch you want, he's going to eat you up on the offensive glass. And then if you get that mix miscommunication, you got a three-point shooter. Put guys in positions to succeed instead of just standing around and saying, all right, somebody beat someone off the bounce. Because right now Kentucky doesn't have many dudes that can just put it on the deck and go. You've got to out-scheme people offensively in today's game. And Kentucky's getting – Kentucky's doing the out-scheming themselves. They're making it easy on defenses to guard. That's what UCLA said. And, and Cal flat-out said that tonight, and it just really kind of – just kind of I was taken aback by it. I mean, he flat-out said, we don't have a lot of guys that can take you off the dribble and go get a bucket for themselves, so we need to draw more stuff up and, and you know, create more shots for other people. And, like, as he's talking, I'm kind of sitting there listening like, Run. Is, is he saying this stuff? I mean, like we've been saying this all season, and is, like, is he just is he just now seeing this? Like, is oh. was this an epiphany for him? It's an. It's like they it's they obvious. they they want Savir to get downhill and force help. Here's the problem with that: Savir's size. You kind of just live with it, and you hope that you funnel him into that size and length, and he can't finish over it or through it. I wouldn't help off on that. I would say he's a five foot nine guard that can't play above the rim and just be present. And Savir will put himself in a position and leave his feet and, and try to make a play and, and get a turnover. And like that's where I'm coming from. That I just feel like a lot of this stuff, Kentucky doesn't run any back cuts. There, there's no, there's no back cuts. There's no back, there's no back screens. There's no. I would love to count to go back and count the number of screens Kentucky sets in a. 30-second possession. Because, you know, when – There were stretches that they didn't run any. You know, when they, you know when they get one? Late in clock, middle ball screen. And that's that, just to that, get that someone is, yeah. freed up and downhill. Like, why? Like, I don't get – why don't they run some of that zoom action and, and getting, you know, sprint – sprint Case and Wallace into a ball screen. Hit his man twice. Come off a ball screen with – with one of those fours, with a Jacob Toppin or a Chris Livingston, and, and just try to get guys downhill, put pressure on the defense. Kentucky's not doing that right now. They're so easy to guard, Jack, that when you turn on the tape, the the number one thing on the screen should or on the whiteboard should be keep Oscar off the offensive glass because if you do that, you're beating Kentucky. That's it. Yep. And right and right now, I mean, they're not hitting their free throws. That was another area. That, <laughs> Five for thirteen, Sean. But but you know, had they just done enough offensively, you don't even look at the eight misses at the free throw line because they probably miss 
how many games have they won under John Calipari where they've missed eight free throws in a game? Probably quite a few. If if you just run good offense, a lot of you're not sitting here nitpicking. It's easy to nitpick all the stat lines when you score 53 points. And it's not like UCLA set the world on fire mm-hmm. and shot lots out. They didn't play well offensively either. And you still lost by 10. Yeah, they shot 45% overall, 25% from three, and 46% from the free throw line. I mean, UCLA is not like not a, a great offensive team. Like, like if if you if you can shut down Jaime Hawkwes, like they are they are what they are. Like Tiger Tiger Campbell. I, I mean, I, I he roasted Savir and and did a lot of really good things in in that matchup. I thought he was a weak spot, a, a weak link of their team. I thought he played fairly well, but I, I mean, they are a, a very vulnerable offense if you can get their start shut down or at least limited and and Kentucky wasn't able to do that at all and 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 I think that's what kind of left UCLA just kind of baffled by the whole thing it's just like we played unbelievably poor like we did not play very well this should have been a game that Kentucky dog walked us like all things considered if, if they and, and again and, and from a coaching perspective Sean it's so easy to look at just look at how things unfolded and say your two best scorers, Antonio and Kaysen, combined for four for 26 from the field. Yep. Jacob Toppin at two, two for 10. Oscar Shibway, four for 12. And, like, it's so easy for people to just say, well, it's just missed shots. You know, if you go four for 26 with your two best shooters, you, you know, you're not going to win any game. But it's like, you can't rely on that argument to just say, well, you're not going to miss shots forever. Kentucky's there's way too many talent, you know, way too many pieces to, to that. They're not going to miss shots forever, but you shouldn't just throw your hands in the air and say, well, it's a cold, you know, cold shooting night, move on to the next. You got to figure out a way to get easy scoring opportunities <laughs> elsewhere. Everything else is so difficult. You can't just, you know, just too you- great, two for eight from three for Antonio and one for seven from three for case. And like, you can't just chalk that up and throw your hands in there and say, well, it just wasn't our night. If you hide behind that excuse in December, we're going to hide behind the same excuse when they lose in the Sweet 16 in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. You you can't – like if, if we're – because is that is that excuse okay on December – what game – what day that play? December 16th, 17th? 17th. So is that excuse acceptable on December 17th, but it's not on March 17th? Because when it's end of the season, you find a way to win, right? Even yeah. when you're not shooting the ball well, you find a way to win. You will go cold in March. Like there will be will. a game. There is, that, a, there is to, that one game every time. You got to win ugly. And every national champion has to win one that way. And Kentucky cannot score easily at any level. Like the, like they can't get find open looks. That, Nothing uh, in transit. Kind of, you know what the other thing that's missing too? How many how many no. plays have you seen this team make where it's a lob to the rim and somebody flies in and finishes a dunk? Playing that's above. Question. Playing that's above my biggest question with this team. Playing above the rim. Calipari's best teams have been able to play above the rim. This team is playing below the rim. And, I mean. And you have the two best on on paper, the two best above rim basketball players in college basketball. And Damian Collins and, and Jacob Toppin. Just on paper, they should be those guys. And shoot, I'd give. I mean, shoot, I, I I'd give. Casey Wallace has can be a putback guy. He's got the athleticism. Chris Livingston can this, be that athlete. This they team have them. Be an elite transition team, and it hasn't been. Why is it, John, that we saw this team, and I know it was just to go play in the sand and build sand castles, and you know, go 
wakeboarding and sailing in in the Bahamas. Like, I, I get it. But why is it that that team was the most free-flowing, carefree, tempo-driven, I'm going to score in transition and throw lobs here and there, and then if I'm not throwing you a lob, I'm kicking it out to the left corner or right corner for a wide-open three, and they're canning it. Like, why are we not seeing that? At all. I mean, this team tries to get into the half court and dribbles the air out of the ball, gets in a late. I mean, I, this team has to lead the lead America in in shots in the within the last five seconds of the shot clock. I mean, they, but it's they all self-inflicted. They do it to themselves. Because I think that's the pace that they that they want to play at. Why? And I don't understand and I don't understand. Like you have the athletes. This is a John Calipari team. You have the you've athletes. You've got two guys that should be able to sprint the floor and spread you out in transition with a point guard in Savir who is quick and shifty and can get downhill, with who I think is one of the best rim runners in college basketball in Oscar Shibway. He is one of the best rim runners. I can turn on the tape and show you last year. 70 clips of him sprinting the floor where Kentucky got baskets with Kellen Grady or other guys just because of Oscar's presence running to the rim. Right now, I don't see Oscar running to the rim. I don't see any threat or confidence. I mean, a, a couple of times you see Antonio Reeves get free and, and, and take a shot. Kentucky's just not got its foot on the gas right now. And I don't understand. It's it's like Kentucky's hitting the brakes. And I don't know if that's Cal. I don't know if that's just they're in a funk. But something has to be changed, and it has to change now. The pace of play has to sh- has to change. The only way you're scoring eighty is if you're pushing the tempo to get there. I'm willing to bet. What did Kentucky? What what was Kentucky's total number of shots on Saturday? Sixty four. And they hit how many? Twenty one. Six for twenty one shooting from three. Took 13 free throws. That number's got to go up too. That number has to be in the 20s. You've got to be aggressive. You've got to get to the free throw line. You've got to find a way to score at the three-point line and at the rim. No fast break points. Nothing came easy. What was the second chance points? Um, Nine. That's too low too. You got the best rebounder in college basketball. That number's got to be closer to 17 to 18. Six for 14 on layups. I so mean, that, let, let that sink in. Six for 14 on layups. And I and that's where I'm coming from. Like, this is what concerns me. Oscar doesn't even look comfortable. What? And he's still right there, 14, 13, whatever his numbers are right now, which is – but he – last year there were – and I know he had a really good game against Yale, but last year it was like he's going to go grab – he's going to have a game where he's going to grab 21 rebounds or 18 rebounds or something and just be a force and unstoppable. And I know he was against Yale, but eight points Saturday against UCLA. Like, I just don't think anyone looks comfortable right now. And that's the concerning part about it for me is that guys that have been in this program don't look comfortable in this program right now. And I don't know what I don't know what it is. But they got to get it figured out because I'm telling you, that seat, that seat has been hot 
fans have not been happy for a while, but the frustration, specifically the phone calls and stuff on the post game show the other day, that was wild, man. Fan, fans have every right to be frustrated, fed up, and upset. And we're probably going to get a lot of DMs between now and tomorrow morning with some people that probably think we're overreacting about this. But here's my thing: if we're if we're not overreacting right now, then what is Kentucky basketball? Because four. Four and thirteen against AP top twenty-five opponents since two thousand nineteen or whatever that year was. That's yeah. not good enough. If you're one, if you're going to call yourself the gold standard of college basketball and do all these things, you better live up to it and figure it out. Because right now, Kentucky's not. I mean, listen, we everybody thought this was a Final Four team. It could still be. Should go be. ask go ask go ask Jeff Goodman. Go ask Seth Greenberg. Go ask uh, Matt Norlander. Go ask any national guy. Right now in college basketball, if they have any faith in Kentucky beating a good basketball team, zilch. No one's going to tell you that they have faith in Kentucky right now. They look terrible. Mitch Barnard tonight was on BBN radio or whatever um, and was, you know, asked about just this current state of things with basketball and just where this, how this team looks right now. And um, he flat out said that, you know, this is, it all comes down to March. He said this is a results-driven program. Um, he said, I do think this team has all the pieces necessary to make that run. They'll come together. And I do, too. They'll, they'll, they they are shooting extremely poor right now. And he, and he said it's uncharacteristic. It's It, it does seem a little odd uh, how poorly they're shooting. But he your says – Your best shooter played six minutes. Yeah. He said Cal has always gotten his teams ready by that point. And – he said, I, "Until until things change, and until you know that it, it isn't that way, then then you know that that's it." But he did say, I, "I appreciate how passionate the fans are and the expectation level with all of them for elite success." He said that we would not be Kentucky basketball if fans weren't that passionate. So this well, was this, this isn't just Kentucky fans being Kentucky fans and you know being dramatic or whatever. Like you have the 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 highest up top individual saying, I agree with you. Fans well, fans deserve to be this passionate. And, and here's the thing too with me. You can I can buy into the nothing matters till March line because that line was there a decade ago because nothing mattered. But here's the difference. Go back and look at those Kentucky teams. They were still good against elite competition. Even that when they would lose one or two point games on the road in SEC play or a close loss to Carolina or a close loss to someone else out of conference or Michigan State, like in 2014, they lost in champions when Julius Randle had a really good game. Yeah. You look at the overall numbers, though, they still beat good basketball teams and they still gave you something that resembled hope that they were going to be a team that could make a run. More often than not, in the last four, well, Going back to 1920, I, I still think that that team had a run in it the COVID year. That was a good Kentucky team. But For a second, at, I thought you were talking about like 1920, like the year 1920. I was like, oh, that was a really good team, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but, no. <laughs> the only reason they scored their points they did back then is they didn't have a shot clock, so they just held the ball. That <laughs> was their decision. They just had it in the peach bat, throw, throw it in the peach basket. And and this team would be good probably in that era because everybody <laughs> grinded it out back then. But right now, like. No, we'd know. still be complaining now, man. They're not running enough for their yeah. shoes. <laughs> I mean, 
I mean, come on. Like, I just, <laughs> I'm frustrated. I'm really frustrated because you look around and here's the problem too. Kentucky doesn't even dominate its league anymore. I tell you what, watching Alabama, even though they lost to Gonzaga the way they did, watching Brandon Miller shut my ass up was pretty refreshing. I got to be honest. Let me tell you something else, too. You think it looks bad right now? Wait until Tennessee guards them. That day in Knoxville, it's probably going to be a cold day weather-wise. It, if Kentucky don't figure something out offensively, Tennessee's going to lock them up and they might score 40. Ugh. I'm telling you, like this, something has to change. They're going to beat Louisville to death here in a couple of, in a couple of days, in about a week. And you know yeah. what? That is needed. Do you remember last year? Yep. You remember last year it was the game against Western Kentucky that got them going. Mm-hmm. And then they won, or the, or the CBS Classic against Carolina. They had that turning point that got them rolling. I just don't think that this team's having any fun either, though. That's another thing that I'm looking at. Absolutely. Nobody nobody looks like they're having a good time. It looks painful. There's no chest bumps. There's no handshakes. There's no nothing. And, like, I thought about that because I was like, man, this team – you know, I remember last year they would gritty off the floor after every game. They, you know, they had the, you know, Ty Ty Washington leading the charge dancing after every single possession. And I like, where is that? I, I remember vividly, Sean, last year saying that I thoroughly enjoy watching these kids and being around these kids because their personality was just so, they were just so joyful and so appreciative of this, just the situation. And, and, you know, it might be just because it was after the COVID year and it was their first time, like, you know, being back around the public and things like that. But, God, man, it feels like just this year is a drag for all of them. They, they, it just feels like they just hate each other. Like, what? since when have we had that, you know? Like, when's the last time we had a Kentucky basketball team, you know, and, and I know for certain that 20 – uh, 20 2021 team the the covid year i know they had some internal issues and they actually hated each other's guts too so that was a, an issue in itself but uh, like when's the last time publicly you've seen this much of a meh feeling and after the bahamas when in the bahamas they were jumping up and down and cheering and celebrating and oscar you know oscar was the biggest cheerleader on the bench out of all of them and you know that that's when all the stories of you know this is such a team first mindset they came they all came back with a goal of number nine and you know all that stuff was there and it's just like once the preseason happened and the season actually started none of these guys have cared like it just that that heart and that passion isn't there and that's why honestly Sean my question about Adu Thiero he is kind of that guy. He is the I'm going to play balls to the wall all out. I don't care, you know, win all win at all costs mentality. Yeah, I'm going to, you know, give you a charge and I'm going to turn the ball over a couple times. I'm going to take a stupid shot, but he's at least going to play his ass off. Like that's a guy who you know for certain and Cal said today that he's the next man up. He's going to get some playing time. You know, I don't think that's a bad idea. I don't think it's a I don't think it's a bad idea to go with Chris Livingston and you know, really figure out what he is. He at least plays hard. You you talked about that. Lance Ware and, and Chris Livingston were the only guys that played hard in that win in that loss against UCLA. Why not? Why not go all in on Chris Livingston? Why not go all in on you know see what a do theoro can bring you? Uh, at least the, you know they're gonna play with heart. 
And and that that's what this team needs right now. They are missing that that all in heart. I'm going to do whatever it takes to to put this team on my back and win games. Guy, that that guy is just not presenting himself right now. It's not. And like I said, no one's making it easy for Kentucky right now. And last year, I thought that there were were guys that kind of made things easy for everybody. And this is a team that's still searching for its identity. Can they still find it? Absolutely. Do they have enough talent to get it figured out? Absolutely. Like, I'm not ready to just throw in the towel. I just said that I'm not confident until they show me and give me a reason to be confident. And I'm hoping that we get that between now and that second week of January. I'm going to reevaluate January 14th on the postgame show. Kentucky, Tennessee. I'm giving it till then to give you my final verdict on what I think that this is what's going to happen. Because we will know one thing between now and then. Kentucky's going to be a team that's going to kind of stockpile some quality wins and some good basketball, or it's going to be a team that's also going to lose on the road, possibly at Missouri, on the road, possibly at Alabama. Do they start to build a resume by January 14th at 4 o'clock? If they haven't, yikes. Ooh. So that's where I'm putting it because that's my next stretch of play. You get into league play, you give me three weeks. I want to. I want to look at it then. I'm not ready. I'm, I mean, I'm, right now they're not a tournament team in my opinion. They have nothing to show for. But there's plenty of basketball to play. There's plenty of opportunities. I still think they probably got. Mm, I'll tell you, they've got nine games remaining against the quad one. So. This is a team last year that had double-digit wins, I think, or approaching double-digit wins, quad one, SEC tournament, maybe been right at 10. Probably not going to be a team that's going to have double-digit quad one wins because they have their 0-2 right now in quad one. So your best any, hope. Is there any chance Michigan becomes quad one? Very very slim, right? Yeah, it, it would It would have to be they'd – have, they'd have to jump almost uh, – they'd have to jump 36 spots. Oh. So Saturday, the UCLA with them being five in the net would have been a really good win. The next one, you've got Alabama and Tennessee. Alabama seven in the net, Tennessee at four. You got Kansas at six. Florida, mm, Florida be a quad one at home. Tennessee a quad one at home. Mississippi State a quad one. Arkansas a couple times. Like they've they've got some games that. They're going to have some quad one wins. The, the key thing to me is they the, the one thing that I will look at, they don't have a bad loss. They have a quad two loss. They don't have that bad loss on the resume. So if they can end up six, seven quad one wins and no bad losses, it's probably a team that's looking at, honestly, maybe a four seed, three seed. Yeah. And that's right. shoot, at this point. And, and I'm okay. Just, just get yeah. in. Just get in. Because, I mean, last year a two seed, it didn't work out for them. Hell, I don't care. As long as they get in and they're playing good basketball, that's all you want. At this point, I, I'll, I'll we're take talking, it. We're talking resume in December. That's where we're at. We shouldn't have to be having this conversation until probably February. Last year, we didn't start talking resume until the weekend that they beat Kansas and Alabama. Hopefully, hopefully things turn around quickly and resume becomes a thing that – is irrelevant until February, and we, that, that, you know, it, you you have a stretch where you just put some freaking w- wins together. You you get on a nice little run. 
you get into January, you get into the, the early part of, of SEC play and and knock out, you know, a nice little stretch of wins, and then we can kind of shut up for a little while. But until then, you've you've lost all equity in that regard. Like you you don't have the built-up early season excuses. Like you, you all of that stuff is now out of the window. You you lost every every opportunity under in the spotlight nationally. Like there's no national excuses. You're 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 getting CBS sports articles written about you after losses like this. I mean, I mean, it's not good. Like it's genuinely not good. They've lost that, you know, ability to kind of have a couple slip ups here and there. Like we've now approached it is what it is territory. And that's they've they, Hopefully the next episode's better. I mean, it'll be Florida A and M, so I don't know how much better we'll get with it. But we'll we'll do a post game show after that one Wednesday night. We'll be back, and we will because this the rest of this week is going to be hectic as hell. So so we're getting, we're going to need to record Wednesday night, and you know, just kind of is what it is. It's I'm assuming it's going to be a blowout win, and we're going to try to just you know wade through the the easy the easy stuff and and you know see if we're actually making progress there see if the stuff that Cal said tonight that you know Chris is going to get more time and he's going to you know bench some of the guys that aren't deserving of the minutes and you know those type of things if it's fool's gold or if it's real and you know it's it's you know I, I the game itself isn't that important because it's it should be just a blowout win but I, I do think that there's going to be some some interesting takeaways from it so I I am actually looking forward to it um and I am just looking forward to a blowout win and you know hopefully that's how things unfold because goodness gracious they need it right now things are just not pretty and I'm tired of being negative and and I'm ready for I'm ready for some fun stuff Sean so we'll uh definitely look forward to that and be there Wednesday night yep and uh hopefully it's a Kentucky win and something positive that we can talk about moving into Louisville or uh to Missouri and then Louisville well, that is uh, enough for this evening, at least. Appreciate all of our listeners, as always. It's, it always feels good to get some stuff off our chest, even though it's ugly. And we, and we needed a couple of days. Yeah. yeah. I, I was not in a good good headspace there after that loss. And definitely uh, it was good to get get a chance to let it marinate a little bit and get our real, real thoughts out of it. So uh, hopefully our fans appreciate that. And uh, looking forward to our follow-up show there on Wednesday after – uh, hopefully what is a blowout win where we can be all warm and fuzzy and and get back to to all that good stuff. So uh, with that one last note, actually, Sean, you you haven't gotten our chance to uh, hear this one. We have a, a brand new sponsor uh, there to close out this show uh, with more than 30 best Western hotels and resorts throughout Kentucky. Both leisure and business travelers can count on what matters most, a warm welcome, a rewarding stay, and a truly exceptional value massive lakes tree houses mountain tunnels bustling cities you never know what's around the next bend from outdoor activities to local restaurants kentucky offers something fun for everyone and best western offers something for every traveler wherever life takes you best western is there visit bestwesternkentucky.com and at best western on social media sean smith how about that I know you're you're always a big fan of Best Western. Oh, I'm I'm a huge fan of Best Western, especially the Best Western Plus. Those are really good values. Definitely, definitely good value. De- definitely love that. There's a the really brand. there's a really good one in Columbia. I actually stayed at it a few years ago. In, in Missouri. Yeah. 
I'm actually planning on making that trip to Columbia. The worst worst trip in the league. Worst trip. But if you get to get there and stay stay at the best Western plus, then it makes it all worth it, right? It makes it all worth it. I've heard heard they got some nice fire pits that one's warmer than the other. Thank God. Thank God. That's inside inside sources say joke um, yeah. to wrap it up on that one sean let's get the heck out of here it's 11 46 p.m and i i uh, think we're both delirious i think it's time to get it's the hell time. out of here. i think it's time. time to get the hell out of here where can fans find your work you can find my work at gobigbluecountry.com and you can follow me on twitter at gbb country find me on twitter as well at jack pilgrim ksr reach out to me via email jpilgrim at kentuckysportsradio.com with that we'll be back wednesday night after fingers crossed a blowout win for kentucky over florida AM. we need it kentucky fans need it. it's time to stop being negative uh, get things back and rolling we will see you then Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.